Hello and welcome to another edition of Prepping for Pre-Game with The Force. I'm Pete Rudin. I'm Anna. Mills. Robert. And special guest, former Daily Iowan pre-game editor, current USA Today digital producer. Adam Hensley. He has a blue check mark on Twitter. He's verified, so that's, that's when you know it's real. And Force, we have some stuff to talk about, even though it's bi-week. Pre-game never sleeps. Am I right? Facts. True. Big facts. So, Iowa's 3-0. Iowa is 3-0. Barely, but... Barely. Made it. They made it. 18-17 win over Iowa State on Saturday. Long day for those of us in the force who went there. Very long day. 23 and a half hour day. I was running off three and a half hours of sleep. Pretty sure you were doing the same, Yeah, roughly the same. Siobhan had like 45 minutes, but he got yeah. some quality photos. He did a good we'll job. We'll have to fact check this, but that might have been the longest second quarter in the history of ever. It definitely felt like it. Yeah, we were just... At least they brought popcorn out, though. They that brought popcorn. Better. That was a morale saver. It was getting a little heated up I there. I had to in hide in box. a shelter in the parking lot of Jack Trice when it downpoured. But did, they, hail. did they bring you popcorn? No, they didn't bring you popcorn. Incredibly tough. should have been a lot better. She not stormed the field with the rest of the Iowa State student section. I drank I like not. five cups of grape Gatorade and my mouth was like blue. And <laughs> But, you, you know, you got to stay hydrated before you interview people, before you write words, or else you're going to cramp up. It's just elect- a scientific You need the electrolytes. You need the... You do. You really do. <laughs> Anyways... What were your guys' biggest takeaways from that game? I think the Iowa coaches and the Iowa players handled the breaks in play, nearly three hours breaks in play, remarkably well. They talked about how they stayed focused yet calm in the locker room. Some took naps. They made a sandwich run, kept the team well fed, and then they came back. It wasn't the. It was a pretty ugly game as far as execution, but they made smaller mistakes than Iowa State did, and they were able to come out with the win. It was a very bad football game on both sides. I mean, besides Iowa State's passing game. And Iowa's, this is special teams. Yes. Keith Duncan and Iowa State's passing game. That's literally the only two good things that happened on Saturday in Ames. I was extremely happy with how Nate Stanley played on Saturday. Not from a statistics standpoint. I mean, Brock Purdy probably outshined Nate Stanley in that regard. But Nate looked like a a leader out there. He made a lot of clutch throws when they needed him. I think that third and 22 to Amir Smith-Marset, that was the play of the game, as far as I'm concerned. Big play. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Brock Purdy, too, looked really good. I mean, a, a lot of, big part of that could have been the all the injured defensive backs on the Iowa side, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. So. Yeah, and also just Keith Duncan's performance was so good. Four field goals, one in each quarter. Dry field, wet field, sunshine, rain, darkness. It didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it, Left hash, right hash, middle of the, the field. Keith Duncan was Keith the kicker. <laughs> and it, uh, it started off his Heisman campaign, right? Yeah. Keith Duncan for Heisman, an alleged Twitter campaign. He said it'd be uh, first for kickers, right? I'm pretty sure that's the case. I think he's 8 for 8 on the year. 8 for 8 on field goals, 8 for 8 on PATs. Hasn't missed. Not bad. Like love our ball, have a lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then coordinators talked on Wednesday. They did all three of them. All three of them, and on offense, Brian Ferentz had quite the stand at the podium. Oliver Martin and his playing time. He was only on the field for barely any snaps on Saturday, 
and Brian Ferens wasn't too happy about anybody asking about Oliver Martin. Kind of gave us a no fant type answer from last season that we kept getting every week, just saying, you know, they're going to put the best guys out there, and he doesn't want to talk about playing time ever again. Yep. He said, you guys haven't seen enough production from those other guys, which I mean, I guess is a fair point, because Regan and Tracy have both been good. But also, I mean, like, you literally saw the production from Martin in week one. Like, yeah. why are you not going to throw him out there? At least give him a shot. Like, you can't be seeing awful stuff from him in practice to keep him off the playing field. And those things don't really have to be mutually exclusive. Those guys can be playing well, and you can still play Oliver Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't really understand. The... I think they bring Martin out for a revenge game against <laughs> Michigan still, though. Oh, yeah. They have to. Coming out party. Oh, yeah, big game for Oliver coming up. Yeah, or he'll just, you know, ride the bench literally the entire game. We've seen both. Yeah. And this is the point where we bring in former Daily Island pregame editor Adam Hensley, who had extensive coverage on the Noah Fant playing issue last season. So, Adam, good morning. Good morning. Do you see any similarities between the Fant and Martin's situation? Kind of, and I want to also say, once again, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. First guest of all time. I'm Um, happy to have you. I would say I don't necessarily know the reason why uh, Oliver Martin isn't playing, and I don't think anyone's going to get any answers on that. But with the fan situation, it's kind of that same dilemma where it's like, if you have talent, why aren't you using it and like putting your best players on the field? I'm not saying Oliver Martin's their best receiver, but because like the other guys have been in the system you know, longer and whatnot, I get that, but he's talented. Like that, There's no denying that. Um, I think for the coordinators, especially Brian Ferentz, to get kind of uh, agitated by just getting asked about it, I think that's kind of unfair because people deserve to – that's a fair question if he's not out there and using him. But um, I'll be curious to see how what his usage is going next week. I don't know if he's hurt or anything like that, that they're just not disclosing or there's could potentially be behind-the-scenes stuff that nobody has any idea about. Which is kind of like the Noah Lafayette yep. situation. It, it doesn't seem very Iowa to accept a transfer and then have him get a lot of reps right away. Just It's not really in the culture to have that happen, so it's not super shocking. And then relating back to the Noah Fant thing last year, I'm pretty sure his direct phrase today, Brian Farron said, I'm not going through this again this year in reference to the questions about Noah Fant's playing time last year. So he, he's not having any of those uh, why is Oliver Martin not playing type of questions. He said, like Robert said, I will tell you right now, I'm not going through that this year. This guy plays, that guy doesn't play. If guys are out there producing, that's the way it is. And that's all there is to it on print. I can say, though, it's an interesting situation I don't think, to watch. Yeah, I don't think the situation's going to go away. He says he's not going through that this year. Well, he's going to come out two times this season and talk to people. So I guess his dad can get all those questions, probably weekly, like the Noah Fan situation was last year. I think there there has to be a time where Oliver Martin comes out and plays, though, like consistently, right? You I mean, that about just basically yeah. wasting a year of his eligibility, someone of that caliber, that wouldn't be a good look. It's just kind of too bad when they, they had to go through all that to get him waived. Like yeah, a month ago, and then now it's then he plays t- two snaps yeah. against Iowa State. Exactly. That's like where all the questions are coming from, because it's like you worked so hard to get this guy on your roster and with your program, and he didn't even play in one of the biggest games of the season. Yeah, so. by far the biggest storyline of the summer, yep. and it's not making waves like people thought it would. 
Well, we'll get to we'll get to the Michigan game, and there will be an Oliver Martin watch. So well, people will oh, literally yeah. be counting his snaps like they did in the last year. That was fun. Which rightfully so. <laughs> like, Which if it's less than two, that I'm pretty sure I can count that high. One, two, yeah, I can. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, a revenge game against the Wolverines still entirely possible. That's still two weeks away. By week, Middle Tennessee State, Michigan. Oliver Martin getting uh, unleashed. I'm calling it. All right, Pete. Ready here first. Yep. We'll see. Let's let's get through Middle Tennessee first, and then we can start thinking about maybe Michigan. He'll, maybe he'll get some reps in the fourth quarter when Spencer Petras comes out. You put <laughs> Oliver Martin out there. I'm thinking it. Seen it. Tough save for <laughs> Oliver Martin. But okay, shifting gears into the defense. Obviously, a lot of injuries back there. What did you guys take away from what Phil Parker said? Would, would anything he said make fans feel better about what's going on back in the secondary and on the defensive line? He didn't really say a lot. Like I feel like we get more updates on injuries um, on a weekly basis from Kirk Ferentz than we yeah. did at all from literally anything he said, which kind of didn't make much sense to me. I figured your coach would want or your coordinator would want to know what guys he has available from week to week or at least somewhat more of the status on any of those guys than what he gave. Um, it was very vague. Nothing on Alaric Jackson. Nothing on any sort of timetable for guys coming back, which Kirk usually gives us maybe Middle Tennessee State, maybe this week, a couple weeks. Absolutely nothing of that sort. So really, like, the entire defense is up in the air right now. He did say Juthius Brents is getting closer to a return, which would be big for that defense because – DJ Johnson was was thrown into action. He was decent. One co Big Ten freshman of the week, but got burnt on that one double pass. But Phil Parker did say he grew up throughout that that game, which was pretty obvious if you were watching closely. He got better as it went on. I think that's kind of one of the keys is that it's kind of a good time for if you're going to have injuries, you're going to have them at the beginning of the season when you're not in the middle of the Big Ten slate yet. You're going to have a lot of a decent amount of depth come November since all these freshmen are getting reps and stuff like that. It's there, there are a couple ways to look at it, and it's not a horrible thing that these guys are getting a lot of looks at the ball early in the season, I don't think. And I think uh, Phil Parker was right. This was a really well-timed buy for this Iowa team coming off a very, very strange game against Iowa State, but then also there's some injuries uh, piling up. So he said he's no doctor, but he – thinks guys like Merriweather are looking better out on the practice field and getting close to returning, and if that's the case, we'll have some more depth in the secondary, which they really need right now. And speaking of Kayvon Merriweather, Parker said Jack Corner's growing every day still, and he's really made some jumps, and he said that the free safety competition will be a battle between Kerner and Merriweather when he comes back, which I think that's going to be something to watch because obviously, you know, Stone back there has been, he's going to be there. He's an anchor on that defense. But Kerner's played pretty well. Merriweather, there was some confusion that first week, but you got to think now that he's, like, just been in meetings and stuff that he's learning something. So that should cut down on the confusion, one would think. And then when DJ Johnson, who is the number one cash guy, with Matt Hankins out, he switched to outside. And freshman Dane Belton's getting some reps at the cash position. So that's another 
thing to add to the watch list moving forward because that could really become a real possibility against a team that is spreads the field. Getting Melton out there while Hankins is out and DJ Johnson goes outside. I think the biggest thing is just getting all those injured guys back. Yeah, that'll be big moving forward. And also, on lightning delays, Phil Parker said, quote, it was okay t- to me. I wasn't going to do anything else on Saturday. He was throwing some jokes out there today. He should get a Netflix account so he can have something to do. <laughs> Phil Parker is a... <laughs> 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 Phil Parker is a football guy's guy, though. <laughs> he said well, when he was playing, they put up a newspaper over the pink locker room walls and that it didn't matter if it was pink or blue or whatever. He wouldn't be bothered by it. So, yeah, was, real football guy. He was giving us more jokes than he was actual, like, specific answers on the guys that are injured today. Yeah, and Phil... <laughs> very true. Phil Parker was thrown the hypothetical if uh, what would have happened if the three-hour rain delay happened at a road locker room like Purdue, and he uh, seemed scared at even the thought of that. <laughs> well... Purdue is Apparently Purdue, year, so it's all right. West Lafayette needs to upgrade those visiting locker rooms. It's a dump. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad it's about Purdue. Because <laughs> my rant will last forever. Purdue Pete is cool. Real cool first name, right, Bills? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we should bring him on the, the podcast, make it three Pete's and overtake these people. Formal invite? Since we had our first guest this week, we can... Invite Adam, thoughts on bringing Purdue Pete on the podcast? I think it'd be great. Are mascots allowed to talk? Yeah, I was, I was that's, thinking that's the same the, thing. You can bang his uh, hammer. Yeah, you can bang Morse once code. if you agree, or like two <laughs> for no. Morse code with his hammer. He's a scary looking guy, not gonna lie. It's like what you see in your nightmares. Like yeah. You wake up and peering at you. No eyelids. Your bed. Just like peeled back. <laughs> and wow. then, going on to special teams, Keith Duncan is still good. Michael C. Dalton's good. Something interesting I thought LeVar Wood said was part of the reason Michael C. Dalton wanted to come to Iowa was because of the the weather was going to be a challenge for him coming from a place where it's warm all the time at Arizona State. Yeah, I did think that was really interesting. But, I mean, it makes sense. He wants to play at the next level, only playing in Arizona where it's 90 degrees year-round or whatever. I know that's not true. Nobody come for me. But anyway, um, just like wanting to play in the rain, wanting to play in the snow, he might be regretting that decision come November, but that's how it's going to, like, that's going to help him get to the next level if that's really where he wants to be. And honestly, with how he's playing now, if he can play that way in November when it's snowing and the ground is frozen, give him the NFL shot. And Adam, one of pregame's cover stories last year, written by you, entitled Confidence, was about Colton Rassetter's <laughs> development from 2017 to 2018. What have you seen out of Michael Sleep Dolan that has maybe impressed you? Um, well, the punting is just all around better. So wrote the story on Rassetter and then kind of tailed off after that the rest of the season. Um, well, but, to be fair, that's what happens whenever we write a yeah, story about anything. Like, like the running game this weekend. So not what I wrote about Nick Easley and he scored a touchdown. I'd say hold off on writing a cover story about the punter until later, if you, unless you want to jinx it. Uh, at all. But he's been super impressive. That the game against Rutgers was just an incredible punting a punter's duel. That's what people tuned in to watch. Love to see it. Corsack versus Lee Dolan's first 
versus Keith Duncan in <laughs> New York City for the Heisman. <laughs> Book it. Somebody is definitely going to shake out. I would love to see that, though. <laughs> That'd be some good TV. Like, a punter and a kicker on sitting next to uh, two punters, Jalen Hurts and <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Michael Sweet Dalton, Taylor, <laughs> Mike Sweet Dalton, <laughs> Keith Duncan, Adam Corson. <laughs> love to see it, guys. It's bye week. That means there's no pre- predictions this week. What do we do? I bet Iowa doesn't lose. I will remain undefeated. Probably move down to the rankings. Bet your house deed on that. Iowa will not lose this week in football. We don't make guarantees. Maybe on other this sports. Podcast, yeah, but, maybe other sports. But if you're gonna bet, if you're gonna bet, don't <laughs> bet on Iowa losing. That would in football. That would be a big L for you. Okay. Happy bye week, guys. Thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure. This has been prepping for pregame. I'm Pete Rudin. I'm Anna Kaiser. Mills. I'm Robert Reed. And thank you so much to our first special guest, former Daily Iowan pregame editor, former Daily Iowan sports editor, former Daily Iowan assistant sports editor, former Daily Iowan sports reporter, current USA Today digital producer, Adam Hensley. Thank you again for having me on. (laughs) Follow him on Twitter at A underscore Hens 83 if you wish. He's verified, so you'll know it's him. He's verified, so I don't know how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) No imposters for Adam Hensley. And we out. And we out. Guys, let's keep that football season going. Football season.